Star Wars 7 by 7 episode 613. Today, after reading the novelization of The Force Awakens, I have to ask the question, are we entering a new world of canon conflicts? Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Alvin Johnson with the Five of First Legion, and you're listening to Star Wars 7 by 7 the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and remember the days, oh, they weren't that long ago, were they, <laughs> when we had multiple levels of canon. There was G canon for all the stuff that George Lucas did in the movies, and then there was T canon for television, and then there were all these sub-levels of canon that everybody said, okay, well, there's this, but there's that, and there's this, and then they all had this sort of interlocking play where... The T-Canon stuff, the television canon stuff was absolutely canon unless it came into direct conflict with George Lucas canon, in which case George Lucas canon would win out, and there were all these ways that the stuff would play together. So when the original Expanded Universe was abolished not too long ago, the new story group went out and said, you know, everything that we publish from here on out is canon. And not too long ago, in an exchange I had with Leland Chi on Twitter, he did say that the review process, even for stuff that's published for, say, like first grade readers, is not very different at all from the review process that they go through to vet adult novels. So here's why this is coming up. I just read the novelization of The Force Awakens, and with an eye towards sharing additional information with you, the wonderful Star Wars 7x7 listener, about the background information happening in The Force Awakens and giving you new insights to you know, things that we didn't necessarily know about and couldn't have gleaned by watching the movie. And in the process of doing this, I discovered that there's some things in the novelization that directly conflict with the events that we see in the movie. Now, some of these things are small things. Like, for example, here's how Alan Dean Foster describes the ride down in the First Order troop transports down to Jakku. It says, On board the quartet of transports, the 80 white-armored troopers prepared for touchdown in the manner of soldiers everywhere. Wisecracks alternated with nervous speculation about what might await them. Surging adrenaline generated nudges in the occasional comradely whack on a neighbor's arm. Did you see anything like that inside the movie when the First Order Stormtroopers were riding in the transports on the way down to Jakku? No, and yes, we did not ride with them the whole way, so we can't verify whether or not they were nervously wisecracking and slapping each other on the backs and nudging each other's elbows and whatnot. But, you know, that doesn't ring true with me at all. That absolutely does not seem like a thing First Order troopers would do. (laughs) But there are even more significant things. And in particular, there's one right off the bat. Now, I thought there would be a good dramatic opportunity for Poe Dameron and Finn in their relationship to develop because of the fact that Poe was the guy that shot... Finn's fellow trooper and Finn's fellow trooper went down and died at po- at uh, Finn's feet and left a blood mark on Finn's helmet and all that and you know that was a significant game-changing moment in Finn's life now it would probably add some serious dramatic conflict for him to find out that Poe was the guy who pulled the trigger and yeah that would really lead to some interesting opportunities in the movie down the line I would think that's something that's been running through my mind so I was paying attention to it in the novel especially and noticed that it wasn't Poe that shot down Finn's fellow trooper it was one of the villagers in Tuwanel, the village in Jakku where all those stormtroopers arrived looking for Lorisan Tekka and the map to Luke Skywalker 
And then to be fair, the book was released on the same day that the movie was released. So because of that fact, there's almost no way to avoid these kinds of situations. I mean, the book had to be based on an earlier draft of the script compared to the final draft of the script. It certainly doesn't match up with the one that we went through extensively previously on the podcast. Not to mention any changes that have to be made in the editing bay, which of course there were some. But this is going to start bringing us, if we have to release the novelization on the same day as the movie, it's going to start bringing us into a new era of canon conflicts, especially considering that the goal of the Lucasfilm Story Group is to have all of these things be the same level of canon. There are other things in the novel that are remarkable, and we'll talk about some of those during the rest of the week here. One of them is the fact that Ray actually negotiates with Unkar Plutt over BB-8. In the movie, all we see is him offer her 60 portions, and she looks at it and then looks at BB-8 and says, eh, not for sale. But in the book, she actually counters and says, make it 100. And Unkar Plutt actually accepts the deal. And that's the point at which he starts piling on all of the portions, and in their small talk, he starts to get a little uh, too happy about the exchange, and so Ray starts to have second thoughts, and that's when she resists the offer. And Ray as a character has had this interesting bit of dichotomy. I mean, there's a very tough-as-nails aspect to her, and yet there's that very optimistic, hopeful side to her. And I think the version in the novel makes her a bit more mercenary, shall we say, (laughs) dare I say it, a bit more Han Solo-esque, if you will. And no, I haven't heard anything more or new or different about her lineage, so don't go jumping on that comment too much. But like I said earlier, we're going to dive in a little deeper into the novel and pick up some new fun information about the world of The Force Awakens that you didn't yet know and share that with you as the week goes on. Hey, Rebel Rouser. You're listening to this podcast, maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story too. Luckily, we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com SW7X7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles, anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com SW7X7. All right, let's do a little trivia thing here. Last time we asked you what Luke went looking for when he walked away from it all, and that was the first Jedi Temple. Today's question, during what battle did Poe Dameron's black X-Wing fighter make its debut? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you test out your new robot hand, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'll be able to do even more with the show for you with your support at Patreon.com SW7x7. It's not the Rebel Fleet, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars 7 We hope you love it.